I'll need your um, your minds. Um, I don't know if I have all of mine, but if 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 you if we get one of us, <laughs> that'd be good. Uh, so I'll need your your intellect, your minds today, and then something good will happen. Uh, there is a. A value. There's always a value in knowing where you are. A location. Uh, the time of the world. The world clock. A season of life. It's important that you know what season of life that you're in. If you can figure that out, that's a well, that's a powerful thing. If you're a young person and you can have awareness of the season of life, you take advantage of the absence of a mortgage and you'd have more fun and without sowing seeds that you'll have to deal with later. If you're a young mother, young father, and you have children, it's a season. And as difficult as it might be, uh, it'll get worse. Just a reality check for you. It won't be the only time in your life that you're up all night. Concerned. Even knowing where you are in age, that helps you with how you ought to dress. <laughs> Just a thought here. I'll, I'll move on, but it's good to know where we are. But just above that knowledge is the realization of who you are. For in that understanding resides the storyline of your life. It may be unsaid or unrealized. But it needs to be known, especially to you, who you are. And today I am led by the Spirit just to reflect on the position of the individual in the body of Jesus Christ. Not for arrogance sake. Goodness, if we were honest, we would know we're far from perfect. Not this house, not any house, not any individual, not any individual's house or person. However, saying that, this is not my text, but I want to get this to you so I can plant this seed. However, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You you are a peculiar people that you should show forth. Here's the reason. So that you can show forth the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were not a people in times past. That means you were vagabonds. You are wanderers. You are nomads. But now you are the people of God. And you've obtained mercy. Amen.
Now, I could speak of our nation's condition. I could talk about my own thought, but the Lord has led me away. It's like him pushing us away from the shore or removing us from the clamor. I wish you could for a moment. The Lord's put something in my spirit that if we are wearied by the world, it's what he put in my spirit. If we're wearied by the human condition, then chances are we've not considered our own storyline. It may remain unsaid or unrealized. Who you are today is so much greater than where you are. And I preach today from Genesis 35 and 16. As our text, Genesis 35 and 16, three verses, and they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. Ephrath is the ancient name of Bethlehem. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have the son also. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, she's going to die. She called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. I preach today left-handed sons of a right-handed father. Amen. I thank you for your word. Add a blessing to it. Anoint all of us to hear it and receive it. I thank you, Lord. Just help us, Lord, in recognition of what you've done for us, Lord, and who we are. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. And all the saints give him praise today. Come on, let's do that one more time. Amen. And you may be seated. I need a little time to just give you this. So I'll teach a little lesson, then we'll get where we need to be. Even in my younger years, I struggled with the deception of Jacob. In regards to his father and with God's continued faithfulness to Jacob. He deceived his father. He took the birthright from his brother. And as I was thinking of that, as uh, struggling with that in my young years. Maybe even before... Even before my teenage years, I always struggled with that. Sometime later, it was around that time, that I lost the allure of Rachel, Jacob's wife. 
As I grew, I realized that she seemed shallow to me. I didn't buy into her. You might recall that when Jacob saw Rachel, he immediately kissed her, cried out. This is wonderful. He wanted to marry her, but her father Laban made him work for seven years for her hand in marriage. It was a long time for him to work. He had a value placed on her. And Jacob, even though he was immediately um, attracted to her, he had to wait. Some call that love at first sight. He saw her and wanted to marry her. But if we read in context and in the timeline, Jacob was not mature in his decision-making qualities. He just betrayed his father. He ran from his scorned brother. He spent a, a night at a place that he eventually called Bethel because he had an encounter with God. But afterward, he admitted, surely the Lord was in this place, and I, I, I knew it not. He was not spiritually sensitive at all. He prayed an immature prayer right after that. God, if you bless me, I'll tell you what I'll do for you. So in chronological order, Jacob will then next see Rachel, the beautiful one, and he finds himself enamored and ready for marriage. Maybe it was not love at first sight. Maybe it was just mm, lust at first sight. Rachel was beautiful. Her outward appearance was the attraction. Sort of like Esther. But on that day that Jacob would have her as his bride, her father deceived him. And he woke up to find Leah, the not-so-good-looking older sister, weak-eyed. Leah. Cannot imagine that day. Leah may have deceived Jacob out of desperation, but it always seemed to me that Rachel had no cause. Perhaps she deceived Jacob out of pride, some manipulative motive, even a power play. The scripture itself will not paint Rachel as a worshiper or a spiritual woman. In fact, her heart was exposed when she stole the household, household gods that belonged to her father. When Jacob left his father-in-law, Rachel took what did not belong to her, the images that were there. Think of that. Jacob is leaving all of his servants, sons, livestock. His father-in-law Laban chases him down. Laban said that he wanted a proper goodbye, but he probably was just angry because he had lost control of Jacob. And Laban then accused him, you left, but you also took my gods. Someone has stolen the household gods. Of course, Jacob had no use for such things, wood or stone images. They meant nothing to him. Jacob was a follower of Yahweh. He was the keeper of the covenant. It was Rachel who had taken them and hid them. And when her father left, she then confessed. And in a fury, Jacob buried them beneath a tree. To me, it further emphasizes that Rachel at least struggled with her worship and devotion. Rachel will live in the shallow waters of outward appearances, as many young girls do. She will groan in jealousy as her sister has many sons and daughters. Rachel will not be consoled by Jacob's love or his adoration. Life becomes meaningless without a son. She cried once, give me children or else I die. The Bible says that God did remember Rachel and gave her Joseph, 
who in turn becomes Jacob's favorite child, the favorite son. Joseph is the favored of them all, favoritism, as in all cases is the telltale of a dysfunctional family. Joseph will wear a coat of many colors. Rachel is still young, but most of her life has been spent grieving in bitterness because of her lack of children. Leah has so many sons, and she has but one, Joseph. But again in time, Rachel will become pregnant, and she will give birth to a second son. Here now, our text pulls back the curtains on this pivotal moment, Ephrath, Bethlehem. The entire family is in transit. Jacob is hoping to make it, but Rachel is hard in labor. She will not make it. Her labor is difficult. Something is going wrong, and she is dying, and she knows it. It's quite apparent that both Jacob and Rachel are not in accord. The moment of her childbirth, her second son, will cost her everything, her life. She finds no satisfaction in the baby. I can't read her mind. All I know is what she did. Actions can say so much. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. At the final moments of her life, Rachel, the beautiful one, becomes bitter. Life did not turn out the way she planned. In her last breath, she will speak of her despair. There are no words of, I love you. There are no hugs and embraces. No, take care of the boys. Instead of thinking about the future, she is swallowed up by the past, groaning in the present. Even her midwife thought that the news of a son would bring joy. Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. But the midwife did not know who she was helping. It must have been impalpable to hear those final words of Rachel cast upon this innocent life. Rachel said, his name shall be Benoni, which means the son of my sorrow. But Jacob was there to hear it. He quickly made a change. You see, Jacob was once called subplanter, deceiver. He knew the value of a name. So in swift motion, Jacob renamed his son Benjamin, meaning the son of my right hand. The father stepped in to give a future and a hope. All that could have been was negated by the proclamation of the father. That, ladies and gentlemen, was our destiny, your destiny and mine. I wonder what people say in their final moments of life. Jesus forgave in his dying moments. He was forgiving them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen, as he was being stoned to death, he looked up to heaven in Acts 7 and said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Paul was blessing the Lord, writing and witnessing moments before he was beheaded. Peter would not let them hang him the same way they crucified the Lord. So he begged them to hang him upside down. He was thinking of honor. But Rachel was thinking of herself. So instead of seeing the future and putting things in order, she was about to set the future of her son in turmoil. She would stain him for the rest of his life. She would cause this this child 
to be discarded. She would cast this baby into a world of shame. The son of my sorrow would certainly lead people to think that she had died in childbirth because of him. It was his fault that mama died. Sorrow would follow him all the days of his life. His name would echo of misery, disappointment, and loss. Never making the mark, not far enough, not good enough, without joy, hope, or a future. Benoni. But at that moment, Jacob acted quickly. He stepped in and changed it. Jacob said, oh no, no, no. His name shall not be of sorrow. His name shall be Benjamin. Jacob, whatever mistakes he had made in his life, he knew the value of a name. He knew the value of a mold. He knew how to start out right and how to start out wrong. He knew that if he paused or if he waited or allowed this, his dying wife's voice, the poison in her, if he stood by, this baby would forever be tainted. So Jacob... Israel stepped in and renamed him Benjamin, the son of my right hand. I'm in prayer and the Lord speaks to me about Rachel. Maybe not the totality of her life, I do not know, but at least in the last few moments of her existence. Rachel imposes her mindset, her memory on her son. She tries If it had been up to her, his name would forever be Benoni. Rachel represents the condition this world would have left all of us in. Her sorrow becomes our sorrow. But she is an empty pit of secularism and humanism. You need to hear this today. Evolutionary ideas, which are still vain and false, lead to suicide and the rates are going up every year. Rachel desires to cast me into her image, her pain, her disposition. Her emotion is forced upon us without any consent. We are all born into a conflicted world. Whatever the current pulse may be, she wants me to believe that I am bound to it. Even today, all of us are being told that our answers are found in the goodwill of some man or some woman. She gives us a name to reveal herself faithlessness, hurt, a shallow life filled with shame. The name she presses upon people is nothing more than regret. If it were up to her, the world, I would be the son of her sorrow. But my father stepped in. He renamed me. That's what happened in the waters of baptism. I took on his name, Jesus. And though I'm bound to this mortal life, he is full of mercy and love. When I was a vagabond and lost and not a people, he brought me in and he gave me a name. And because he renamed us, he put us in a new place. As Paul said, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. For by grace are we saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Think of this now. Paul wrote, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient, obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, that's our name now, every knee should bow of things and heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father God 
who had sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. But he hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made all the worlds, who be in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. He sat down. This is a figurative position. It's a, fig- it's a position of authority. Down on the right hand of the majesty on high, who being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. The eyes, Ephesians 1, of our understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him where? At his right hand, power in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, and might and dominion in every name that's named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come and he has put all things under his feet and given him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all things and you have the quickened who are dead in trespasses and the litany that Paul wrote, I'll just give you the last part. 1 Corinthians 6.11, that's where all of us were from. I don't care where you came from or if you were born in the church, you were never born saved. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, you are justified in the name, how? In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Rachel would have pressed something upon you. She would destroy you. But Jesus stepped in and said, Hey, I got a better name for you. I got a better future for you. I got to tell you who you are. You're blood-bought. And I got a name for you. got a storyline today it may be unsaid or unrealized but you got to know who you are today you are a royal nation you are a holy person a holy priesthood all right uh, yeah yeah Rachel died and Jacob took over oh no 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 I can't leave it like that Benjamin Son of my right hand, power, authority, Benjamin. You'll be a son of power. The right hand signifies power. And from him comes these unique people, the tribe of Benjamin. There were 12 tribes in all. Collectively, they are known as the children of Israel, but... There's something different about the tribe of Benjamin. (laughs) Very different. In fact, you won't find it in any other scriptures of the Bible or any other tribes. The tribe of Benjamin were made up mostly of (laughs) left-handers. They were a tribe literally full of left-handed people. Professors Boyd Seaver and Joanna Klein have done the research. They asked the question, 
Were these people and warriors from the tribe of Benjamin left-handed by nature or by nurture? Their conclusion after many years of research is both, maybe a little of both. To become useful in both hands, it was noted that they would often tie the right hand down or behind the back. (laughs) Got to get it right. So that in childhood, they can function with the left hand. But we also note that the tribe of Benjamin was filled with left-handed warriors, which appears to be more congruent with genetics, which is so amazing that of all the tribes, Benjamin was the one who produced left-handed people. And what's further amazing is that the left hand always signified weakness. The right hand was one of strength. The left hand was one of weakness. The right hand was a type of authority and power. The Hebrew term for left-handedness in Judges 3.15 and Judges 20 and 16, the Hebrew word literally means eter or restricted. It means that his right hand is restricted. The left-handed person was often deemed unfit. The honorable seat was always on the right side, not on the left. But of all the Bible's many wars and warriors, captains and soldiers, people, the Bible mentions left-handed people on just three occasions, and all of them come from the tribe of Benjamin. Ehud killed the wicked Moabite king. Ehud was a left-handed assassin. He came in to speak to Moabite's oppressing king. He said he had a secret a message, a private message. All they had to do was was look at the left side where the right hand would go for the sword. And there was no sword there. So they let him pass. And they all left the room thinking that the wicked king was safe. They didn't know that Ehud Ehud was from Benjamin, a tribe of left-handed warriors. And Benjamin had a dagger, the Bible says, that was sharpened on both sides, and he stuck it on the right side where his left hand could grab it. (laughs) He went in to speak. He has a very important message. He wanted to get close to the king. The old painter depicts Ehud's right hand extended in greeting while he grips his small dagger in his left hand. Can I get graphic? Oh, I love getting graphic. Read your Bible. He plunges that dagger into that. The Bible says that Eglad, the the king was a fat man, and he plunged that dagger so deep that the fat covered up the dagger. The guts were kind of... (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Israel had suffered 18 years under the evil rule of this Moabite king when God sent Ehud, a left-hander from the tribe of Benjamin. I'll give it to you. Here it is. But when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up and delivered Ehud, the son of Gahar, a Benjamite, a man left-handed, and by him the children of Israel sent a present unto Eglon, the king of Moab. Oh, yes, that's a present you don't want to receive. Look again. There's a conflict among the people. 
Tribes are at war. The Bible says that there were 700 Benjamites who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a, at a hair and not miss. 700 of them. It was not a good scene. Two of the tribes were in a fight. But there were Benjamites there that used their left hand. 700 of them. The third instance in the Bible happened when David was in trouble. He needed help. A couple of dozen warriors from the tribe of Benjamin came to his defense. First Chronicles 12. Now these are they that came to David to Ziglag. While he, was, while he yet kept himself close because of Saul, the son of Kish. And they were among the mighty men, helpers of the war. They were armed with bows and could use both the right hand and the left in hurling stones and shooting arrows out of a bow, even of Saul's brethren of Benjamin. They were ambidextrous warriors. It is consistent, a consistent intersection of left-handedness and the tribe of Benjamin. All of them routinely considered weaker, inept. The Hebrew thought again was restricted in the right hand, so you had to use the weaker hand. Not as able, less than the others, Benjamin. So whether by environment or genetics, Benjamin was full of people who were considered by all accounts not as strong. All of them came from a father who was named the son of my right hand. The son of my right hand produced a whole tribe of... Left-handers. All of them came from a father who was renamed at birth, taken the stain away and given authority. And I stand here to confess I'm a left-handed son, but my father is full of power and authority. Oh, yeah. That's why the world can't figure me out and can't figure you out. That's why the devil is so perplexed to see us survive every attack that he rages at us. That's why our enemies are bewildered how we are all still standing when all accounts, by all accounts, we should have fallen a long time ago. You should have been swallowed up and eaten because you know you're not strong, but you are with a father who has all the power and the authority. Hey, when you got up this morning, you are still trapped in the human condition. But you got a daddy who is full of power and authority. And he has sat down in the position of authority. I don't want anybody to tell me that I can't do it. You don't know who I'm connected to. It's not my name, but he gave me a name. It's who I am. I want to talk to you about where you are. I think we ought to say, I think we ought to get get focused on where we are in time. But if we can just pause for a moment and decide who we are, it'll help you get past and through where you are. Yay! And when you have sickness and you will... And when you have family trouble, and you will, and the doctors say, well, let me just tell you where we are. You just remember what pastor's saying. You say in your mind, I may be in a bad place, but you don't know who I am. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Someday we're all going to die. And you got to say this. I may be in a bad location right now. It may not be right right now. But you don't understand who I am. I'm called after one who has all power over all principality and all authority. I know I'm a left-handed son. But you ought to see my father. Yeah, I 
wish you'd clap your hands and help. I'll tell you what you do to your wayward children and your backslidden family and those who have left the truth and parents that are not doing right. You just admit you're in a bad place. But I want to rem- remind you of where you are. You've been baptized in the name. That name still applied to you. You don't have to go back to the waters. All you got to do is call on the name. And that excites everything. It brings it all back. We were born into weakness. I, I got to tell you, the struggle was baked in from our first breath. None of us are supposed to be here. Even this church is not supposed to exist. By nature, if you just be honest, we are all carnal, ungodly, unholy. The Bible calls it fleshly. And lost. But he did something to us. He bought us with his own blood. And he took us in our low state and made us into an instrument of purpose. And whatever we have, whatever power of authority or position we might have, it comes from the source, not from our own making. You're a left-handed child of a right-handed father. And I just want to impress this word upon you. He gave you power to overcome the most troubling things in life. He gave you an ability to choose a holy path. You can speak with authority because it comes from his authority. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about being arrogant. I'm not talking about being proud. I'm talking about realizing the storyline of your life. Open up your mouth and begin to speak with authority over everything that is conflicting in your life. If your home is messed up, you go back to your home today. And when you open up the door, you walk through that door and you say, I, I proclaim authority in Jesus' name. I pray every bad spirit out of this place. You can tell the devil you have no place. You have authority. I'm a little weary, help me, I'm sorry. If this doesn't apply to you, then just kind of nod. If it does, then say, hey, okay. I'm a little weary of people saying, I don't know if I can do it, I don't know if I can speak that way. What are you talking about? You're not speaking from your own position. Of course you can't in your own way. Of course you don't have, intellect does not drive out the enemy of your soul. It's the authority of the Holy Ghost and the name of Jesus that did that. Who are you that you think you're worthy enough? You're never, you've never been worthy enough in your entire life. The devil knows that, but the Lord also knew it. He said, hey, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you power. See, I speak with authority because I know where he's sitting. And all the blessing, honor, and glory, and all the power his. John heard it like this. I beheld, I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. The beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, millions and millions of thousands of thousands. 
They were all saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth. And such are in the sea. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb of God forever and ever and ever and ever. My power didn't come from my goodness. If it were up to my goodness, I'd do nothing. But the Father knew what I needed. He knows you. He knows us. Nothing is hidden from him. Struggles, yes. Fears, yes. Anxieties, maybe even hypocrisies. He knows our most intimate thoughts. And yet, he will not allow me to be called by the name or names which the enemy of my soul would press upon me. Instead, he has given us authority. I'm not even sure if you grasp it. Maybe too many of us have heard the bitter voice of Rachel and it's become a poison to us. But Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, ah, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Those are spirits. And over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So I rise to say, I am called after him. I am, we are the sons and daughters of God. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We sit in heavenly places, though we have no right to be there. Yes, by nature, we are a collective group of restricted people. We really do not measure up. But by his grace, we are saved. And by his spirit, we are anointing. And by his name, we have authority. I'm almost done. Just stand with me now. <laughs> I just need to relay something to you. I need to put something in your brain. Because you're going to forget who you are and you're going to be encumbered by where you are. And you've got to remember who you are today. And when you start to look at yourself in the mirror, you take care of the things you can look at, but don't don't think that's where it ends. It didn't end there. Restricted by birth, yes. But you are sons and daughters, left-handed howbeit. But you are the sons and daughters of a right-handed father. Yes. So put your shoulders back and lift your head up. Smile. Be confident. Don't let the world or the devil or the enemies or anyone bring you down. You have authority in Jesus' name. You don't need to cry bitter, bitter tears. If you're crying, you cry for the salvation of people, for the healing of people. But you speak with confidence and boldness. And you say it, not according to me. This is what Peter and John had to get into their spirit. When they saw the man at the gate called beautiful. All I can think of is, and there's a beautiful gate. And in front of that beautiful gate is a man that is weak and lame. All I can think is the outward, full of a bitter, ugly inward. All I can think of is Rachel, the beauty, with an ugly inward. 
Peter and John walked up to that man and he looked at them expecting to receive a natural thing from them because that's what people want to do give you a natural answer but it's not sustainable and Peter and John walked up to that man the ugliness the sorrow the lifetime struggle in front of the beauty the beautiful gate and they said silver and gold have we none look we're just left handed people we have no power but such as we have here we are but as such as we have give I unto thee in the name this is what they said in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and they reached out and pulled him up I say to you dear saints of God holy men and holy ladies of God you have power you've not tapped into yet because you keep thinking that Rachel has authority over your life she has no authority over you and whatever she named you that's a lie daddy has already stepped in and said oh no wait a second wait a second I got a brand new name that's going to be Benjamin don't worry about it Benjamin you're going to have a lot of restrictions but I'll tell you I'm going to give you authority and power because it's not in you it's in me oh hey I think we we'll ought to clap our hands one more time unto the Lord. So if you see me dancing, it's not because I think I'm good. It's because I recognize and realize who I am. I am a child of the Most High God. Huh. I just want to praise him a little bit right in this house. I just want to give him glory right in this house. I thank the Lord for his goodness. I thank him for his mercy. I thank him right now for his love. I thank him for bringing me in. I thank him for authority and power in the Holy Ghost. I think somebody needs to just do that right now in your own way. We ought to be thanking God for the Holy Ghost. You ought to be thanking God that you're a blood-bought child of the Most High God. You ought to be rebuking everything in your life that's not of God and saying you got to get out of here because I've got authority I've got the name I've got the power I've got the blessing I've got the hope I've got the mercy I've got the authority